It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirls, it's the kid Ebony from the PhD podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from Black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PhD podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below. You can connect with the kid on Instagram at the professional homegirl and at the PhD podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PhD podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PhD podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PhD podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous. So let's begin this week's episode excited about this week's episode because I feel like a lot of people can relate to your story but not a lot of people are talking about it do you agree um I can agree to that I can agree to that because it's really like seems taboo sometimes especially in the black community for sure Mm -hmm. for sure so before we begin how are you feeling how you doing Mm, I'm doing pretty good you know I'm pretty relaxed today um yeah yeah absolutely I don't have no complaints um I'm just happy to be here for sure, but I'm feeling good. I can't complain. <laughs> How has the, um, the pandemic been treating you? Um, It's been weird. I, I mean, I've allowed myself, It's well, it's afforded me to do a lot of soul searching. Um, mm-hmm. I've really tried to figure out what my purpose was as far as, or is, I should say, in life. Because r- right now, I was like kind of in between jobs. I was a counselor for a while. And then I really just got tired of... Um, 
like living vicariously through other people's like taking it home. So I, I'm on a hiatus right now trying to see what looking at other career fields. So it, it's been treating me relatively fine as far as uh, it's helped me. It's gave me the time to learn a little bit more about self and what direction I need to go in. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing because sometimes you have to slow down to figure out what's going to be your next step forward. For sure. For sure. So by watching your story on YouTube, you said that you were being fast and the reason why I'm saying this because I feel like that narrative is so like prominent with young girls, especially black girls, especially when we're starting having sex at a young age. So looking back, do you think becoming pregnant at a young age and giving your child up for adoption could have been prevented? Um, I, I do. Um, I want to say I remember it used to it started at like uh, talks at school with like my friends. You know, they'd be asking like who was still a virgin, and I'd be like, oh me. You know, and um, that's when I started to get kind of curious and I kind of sped up my process of wanting it. I'm like, all right, I just want to get that part over with. And so I felt like that the talks, if I was around a a different um, social and peer group, perhaps I wouldn't have been so quick to try to do that. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely feel like it could have been prevented, you know. And I also feel like, because I remember having those conversations with um, my friends when I was growing up, too. Growing up, too, and they used to be like, everybody was having sex but me. Because I didn't start having sex until I got in college. But see? And that's, that's like, what I what I felt like should have happened. But then we're so, like, it, it's the shoulda, coulda, wouldas that, that really gives us, I right. feel like, sometimes where it's supposed to happen here. And society tells us when it should happen. You know? Um, so, yeah. It, it, it's funny that you were having those conversations, too, but I wonder what separates people from when they choose to act on that, you know? Well, you know, for me, my mom had my baby sister, um, and I was pretty much her mother, so I was like, no, nah, I'm not trying to have no kids. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what scared me. I feel like I should have had something that scared me more. I was more of one of those invincible teenagers. I kind of felt like, although you heard about it, like, friends would talk about it. I never, I still never thought it would be me, which is, like, hella retarded. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like, girl, why are you thinking invincible? I, I couldn't believe it when I when I got pregnant. I, I could not believe that that was actually what was going on. I was working at Sonic. Did your mom talk to you about sex? She tried to. Like, I have a twin sister, and she 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 did try to talk to us about it. And all we would do is, like, laugh because it was so freaking uncomfortable to have that conversation. That, right. like, she was serious about it, but we didn't take it that seriously. Like, we were just like, yeah, we know, like, but it's not going to be us, so you don't really have much to worry about. So, when it did happen, I think, like, you know, they was very disappointed, for sure. So when you tell people your story now, do you feel like people judge you, or do you feel like they support your decision? Um, I feel like a mixture of both. I feel like if they're judging me, they try not to put on like they're judging me. But I think it's only natural mm-hmm. to judge people based upon your values and your beliefs. So it was pro- it's probably a mixture of both. I feel like people support me when they're my friends, but but they 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 kind of judge me somewhat based upon like like they have their own kids and they know that they wouldn't have done that with their kids so some of them are kind of shocked that I would have made such a decision especially if I'm going to talk about it and appear to need sympathy for it which I really don't it's hard for some people to sympathize with the situation like I said based upon their own situation or their values and their beliefs so I I again it's definitely a mixture of both for sure 
Listen, it gotta be a good day where you at, because them birds are kiki and child. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they are. They are kiki. Every time you talk, they talking louder. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> All right, so how old were you when you found out that you were pregnant? Um, I was 16. I was 16. Mm-hmm. I was almost 17, so I almost forget that I was 16 at the time. I almost wish that show, like, 16 and Pregnant was out at the time. But I wonder, I'm like, well, maybe I don't wish it was. But I was like, man, if I would have seen that show, maybe things would have been different. But I was 16. You think things would have been different? Um, I, I think so. I don't know if it would have mm-hmm. been because now I see when that show first came out, it was more real than what it is now because most of them them girls is like rich now based upon selling their stories to the media. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so they struggles. People can't really relate to it anymore because now they see like with a big house. So and they have followed your story since you were 16 and people believe that that's what was going to happen to them. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. That's delivering the wrong well, that's message. Not, so right. it's, it's in the beginning, I felt like it would have been a good show to watch, but now what it is now, like following them girls, all of them, they don't have the same problems your average 16-year-old would have. You know what I'm saying? That's not in a good situation. They, you're not about to have no money. You're not about to, you about to think about all kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's not relatable anymore <laughs> for myself anyway. <laughs> so when did you notice that you were um, I noticed when I was working at Sonic at the time and I remember... Like I started, I miss Sonic. The happy hour at Sonic. Oh yes, my god, it was a great time. It really was. Um, I remember working there, and I was eating like I was eating hella pickles. I'll never forget it. But I still didn't think I was pregnant because I always liked pickles, so it wasn't really a thing. But I started mm-hmm. eating like these chicken sandwiches with a crap ton of pickles on it. And I remember this girl came through the drive-through. And she asked me, was I pregnant? I was like, girl, no. Like, I was thinking to her, like, what will give you that indication? And then I had gotten pulled over. I had gotten pulled over, I remember. And this guy, the, the cop even asked, was I pregnant? And I was just like, yo, this is, like, too coincidental. Like, they keep ask, people keep asking me this. And I, I didn't think that I looked pregnant. I really didn't. I thought I was, like, uh-huh. bloated. I remember my mom was talking about my weight at one time. And then I got really mad at her. And then she took me up to the um, hospital to go get seen about because she felt like my stomach was just like awkwardly for me. I just thought I was bloated or something. I didn't know what was going on. It was crazy that I didn't even think that that was the issue because, like I said, I'm thinking I'm so invincible like this. That can't be it. When that nurse told me I was pregnant, I must have ran all the way down. It was on the fourth floor. I ran all the way down to the first floor. I like ran out of the hospital. Like I just was mortified. I'm telling you. How many months um, were you? I think at that time, I might have been like four. I might have been like four at that time. And mm. I was shocked. I was just too shocked. I just couldn't believe like this, this is actually what was happening. Um. <laughs> but you know, that's believable though, because not for nothing, I was pregnant before too. And I was like, I mean, you've never seen me before, but <laughs> I looked, <laughs> I looked the same exact way that I am now, and I was close to four months being pregnant, and I just couldn't believe it because I'm like, how? Right. Where? You just don't. I mean, and then it's crazy how you look at yourself versus how like the world is actually seeing you. So it's, it's so it's right. so different. I, I don't think I am. Um, 
I don't think it registered to me for a minute. I got even more mad when my mom asked me, like, um, so who's the dad? I was pissed when she asked me that. I, I, Why were you pissed? Because to be honest, the key key was I didn't even know at the time. Like, I knew I was, I was. Oh, that was my next question. Because <laughs> I was like, girl, like, right, so daddy. This guy I didn't worry. I was messing with. <laughs> this guy I was messing with. Like, I would only see, he was already out of high school, but only like a year out of high school. So not on the like pedophile type stuff. Like, he. Right. Um. I would only mess. I would only see him like after hours. Like we was, we wasn't like really dating, but he might have thought we were. But we weren't. I didn't see him in that in that light. I mean, it was cool, but that was it. And then I remember I stopped talking to him for a while, for maybe like a month. And then I was talking to this other dude. I only slept with him like once, so I didn't really know. Between those two, even though you would think you would sleep, you would pick the one that you were most actively sleeping with, like you slept with the most times. I was thinking, I still didn't know who, who it was, so I just picked one. <laughs> right. Hey, you know what's so funny? Because I, when I was watching your YouTube story, I know people were probably like, what? But you was also a kid. Right. So it just makes, I mean, obviously now you're grown, so you know better now, but back then, it just made more yeah. sense to you. Because she was like, because she was right, a kid. Right. I was just like, girl, this is retarded. So I, I went with that narrative. I just picked one. And I was just like, um, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to roll with him. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say that he's the dad. Well, did you ever yeah, find out who the daddy I was? I did find out. And that, it was, it was such forever till I actually, okay, so the guy that I like blamed it on, like, I even showed like his family, I told him like, um, I showed his family, like, the ultrasound pictures. His mom was just like, are you sure? Because, you know, this has happened to him before. Um, so, like, this happened to him before. And I was like, yeah, I'm positive. In the back of my mind, I had no freaking idea. I was just like, oh, I mean, he's going to be it for now. And then I started having serious doubts. And I remember I told him, okay, I finally told him, I don't actually think this baby is yours. And he did not believe me. He I, normally... A guy of his age, you know, he was a teenager like myself. He would just be like, yes, thank God, it's not mine. I would think and just like want to run away from him. But he was like adamant. I had to lie to him and told him that I checked. I had it. I had it checked some kind of way through some amniotic type testing. I had no idea what I was talking about, but I researched something and I made something up and just told him like this is how I know it's not yours. And he believes me. So... so crazy I was just like why are you this way girl why because something in my mind was just like yo and if I if he finds out any other way like let's just say he just shows up at the at the birth like he's dark skin and the guy, other guy that I was like actively sleeping with the most he's a light skin guy so I was just like yo what if the baby comes out like super light and he's like what the heck so I don't want to chance it yeah <laughs> So wait, so when did you decide in your pregnancy that you wanted to go um, through with adoption? Okay, so, so I was, I had thought maybe about, as soon as it happened, I knew that I didn't want to keep the child. Like, I was just like, um, I don't want to be attached to this. Like, I was very detached, like, my whole pregnancy, because it's never what I wanted. Even, like, some girls in our school, like, they had, like, this whole pregnancy, like, group. I was not trying to be a part of that. I'm like, I'm not proud of this crap, like. I'm not about, and it's sad how I was, how I was, how my mindset was, but I was pissed. So I wasn't like your happy-go-lucky pregnant person who had just accepted it. 
I was just like, I had plans of like going to college or going to the military because my mom was part of military. So it's kind of like all I knew. And all I knew was this, this was like a rut in my plans. And so I just couldn't let this happen. So I tried to go get an abortion. And when I went up there, like I had never seen this before. I had went all the way to Charlotte. Um, and what did I see? I saw these protests. It's like totally freaked me out. My mom took me up there. And then before she wouldn't even let me go because she was looking at like all these, um, like she was looking at how traumatic it could actually be. I didn't care about that. I was just like, mom, I'm not trying to have this baby. I went up there. They told me you're too far along. I was screaming. (laughs) I was mortified. I was just like, this cannot be happening. How can I not have this option right now? Like I cannot. I was just like, okay. I was terrified. I was like, I'm actually going to have to deliver this baby. Like I'm not trying to have my coochie like freaking a uh, size of watermelon. I was just thinking of all this crazy stuff. Like, I'm never going to be the same. My life right. is over. So that's when I started thinking about adoption because I felt like it's my last option as far as my decision with not keeping the child. So that's when I started mm-hmm. looking into adoption and like adoptive parents and all that stuff. I just wanted this stuff to be over as quickly as possible. I just didn't, didn't want to feel nothing. And I know you have a twin sister, so what was your um, sister, sister saying about everything? Like she didn't talk to me a lot. Um, she, it took her a long time to stop being angry at me about it because she felt like all the attention was on me during that time, and she it took away from like her academic success, mm. which I never actually thought about because she was always the one that made good grades, you know. And my mom couldn't acknowledge that because she was so busy like focusing on me and my pregnancy and making sure I was okay, which for a long time I couldn't. It took me a long time to understand how she might have felt or even to consider it. Right. So what were you looking for in a family when it came to the adoption? Like, how was that you, process? I didn't look for much. I, it was crazy how how you can just not look for much. I'm like, as long as they have good jobs um, and they're black, because I don't want that much confusion, and I wanted to make sure they were dark-skinned, this is bad, too. Well, kind of bad, but I wanted to make sure that they were dark-skinned so that he would know that that's not his family. But then that's so, like, fucked up in a way because it's like, well, why would I want anybody? Wait, so he wouldn't know? Yeah. Oh, so you had a boy. And I wanted, like, his family, like, the family that he was placed with. I wanted him to, like, maybe look for me one day. And I felt like the only way you could is if you had some noticeable differences and maybe you start asking questions. That's how my mom was thinking at that time, which is kind of messed up. Because who wouldn't want to feel as a part of their family? You know what I'm saying? But I couldn't think right. on that level at that time. So how um, do you feel about it now? About how you thought with that particular comment? It is. That is kind of it really up. is. I really feel fucked up for how selfish I was. But I just didn't know how not to yeah. be. I really didn't know not to be selfish at that time. Right. Like, like can't you... I could have put on one of a lot of your skin family. But I was just like, well, then... What if they never tell them about me? Well, maybe that's a good thing if they never tell them. I started thinking all kind of stuff, you know? Um, so I, I don't, nowadays I don't feel good about it, but I don't know a lot that I, I could do because some other fucked up stuff I did was when it came time for, um, when it came time for me to have the child, like they, well, the adoptive agency, they asked me, did I know who the father was? And I told them no, because I didn't want them to searching for him because I didn't want, 
another right to be in my plans, which is also really fucked up because um, it robs him of the opportunity to say anything, to stop the whole thing, mm-hmm. which later on I had to answer for because, you know, he when I finally did tell him about it, it was after the fact. And he was not happy about that, you know. Um, and just, but how do you know he was a father? You well, no, I knew it was him because, well, it was only between two people. And then when the child came out, he looked just like just like him. Even when I saw him the pictures today. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, basically, I'm like, so I felt like less of a whore with that validation, right? Um, <laughs> So it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> I, um, that, that whole betrayal in a sense with him, it, it still eats at me to this day. Like I actually, I, I ended up going to the military, but then I had to, um, but then I had to still answer for that. Cause I was married when I, I got married when I got in the military and. Oh, <laughs> well, slow down. Cause I, that's one of my, okay, cool. that's one of my <laughs> other questions I got. So I know that you did a closed adoption. So can you explain what that is yes. for the listeners um, that may not know what that means? An adoption that takes place, whereas you are not permitted to have any contact with the parents. You're not permitted to receive any um, updates on the child, any pictures. It's basically like you don't exist. You know, um, a lot of open mm-hmm. adoptions, they are, they'll, they'll, you know, permitted to give you updates and pictures and things like that. But with closed adoptions, you know, nothing's guaranteed to you at all. They don't have to do a thing. Nothing. There's no contract. Now, now being that you were underage, could your mom, could she override um, what you I'm wanted to do? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Um, mm. I, I'm pretty sure nowadays it's probably something that she could have done. But I'm not even sure if she looked into that based upon I don't know if parental parental rights trump your parental rights if that makes sense yeah right parental rights I'm not sure that's a really good question actually so after you gave birth can you explain what was next in the adoption process like how does it how does that work you give birth and then okay yeah so normally you give birth and the adoptive parents they're somewhere in the vicinity um you have essentially like they might be wow. like they're in the area waiting on you because you have like if I'm not mistaken they, I really have to look this up again because you have like either 48 hours to 30 days to like change your mind or something like that um, I really have to look into what those specifics are but I know while you're in the hospital you're signing like those final paperwork that final paperwork that basically signs your baby over to them and all rights and also like medical bills and stuff normally the adoptive parents have to cover that um so yeah while you're in there you're signing over all that stuff um and if you are if by the time you leave the hospital in those two days if you're like following a decision you can go down and see your baby which we did and um my mom was like crying and stuff I think we might have shed a tear in the hallway but that was the first time I ever really cried about it, but I wasn't sure if she was crying or I wasn't really sure what I was feeling at the time um, because I didn't want to hold them or nothing. I didn't hold them or nothing. I didn't, 
Right. I you didn't want no type of connection with I, him. Yeah, I was trying to spare myself, I suppose. Right. Um, so they they were waiting in another room. I never got to see them um after that. But they, they, they took him after after I was discharged and that was that was kind of it. You know, it was the adoption agency kept in touch with me for a little while just to see if I would change my mind. And that's like the adoptive parents' worst nightmare to change your mind in those 30 days. Some days I wish I would have. <laughs> How long has it been since you gave him up for adoption? 2009. So how do you feel now? Um, I feel like it just makes me feel strange. You know, wondering what could have been. I, I don't even want, some days I don't even want kids. I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to have to answer for that and this. You know, um, and then other days mm-hmm. I really wish that I, I did have, I almost feel like there's, <clears throat> there's always a void to feel some kind of way. And I don't know if either way is healthy, healthy way to fill a void. Like you don't want to just have a kid off the strength of losing one, you know, um, exactly. Cause you can and never exactly. place and My mom still kind of like does things like she goes and looks for them and just does stuff that. It's totally out of pocket, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, because well, why do you think it's out of pocket? She doesn't. She doesn't. Um, she has little regard sometimes for how I might feel about her avid search for him. Meaning, like she's done things where she, they're located in Jacksonville, Florida, and my mom's boyfriend mm-hmm. stays in Jacksonville, Florida, and she found a way to get in touch with the school that he goes to. And found his school picture, and then oh, wow. like, then she wouldn't give it to me because I told her she was wrong for doing that. And then I guess she feels like I don't more have regards for her. Like I don't, I forgot what you call him. I'm no great. Keep telling her like legally, we don't have any rights, so you have to stop acting like you do. Initially, they were giving us pictures, but early on in the early on in that communication, my mom freaking gave their address to my baby daddy and he wrote them a letter and they got scared and never sent us another picture yes oh wow so yes it was kind of that's deep i feel like i oh i oh like he deserves to know things but in the manner in which my mom is trying to forcibly know things it ruined a lot in the beginning like we could have been had other pictures like i hadn't had pictures since he was a baby and that was my my mom's fault, you know what I'm saying? Because she overstepped sometimes and it caused them to not trust us anymore. So they just stopped communicating with us. I know the dad communicates with me like once a year, but I don't tell my mom that because do anything. <laughs> so I know you were married. So how did this affect your marriage? Like I, um, like I was In what like way? 21 when I got married. So I was still young then and I didn't understand how my relationship with my baby's father because we would talk every now and then because I always felt like I at least owed him that to give him some kind of affection for the precious thing that I robbed him of if that makes sense <laughs> um so when he wanted to talk mm-hmm. I would and that like seeped off into my marriage it looked like infidelity but on the for me it wasn't for me it was hey you don't just Right, I was. I feel like I he was, was trying to right your wrong. wrong kind of way because I carried this baggage into my marriage, and he, 
that is something that a person doesn't really understand unless sometimes unless you go through it or you really try to understand it, then you might. So my husband did not understand why would you still keep up communication with this person? And sometimes there were, the conversations weren't appropriate as far as like we always used to wonder like what could be in better circumstances. So of course any man would be intimidated by such a conversation. It wasn't really fair to him, you know, so he divorced me and I was okay with that, but actually really heartbroken for a while. Cause I was just like, man, I just keep being feeling like my own worst enemy too, because he was someone that really did love me. And I'm not sure if I had anybody love me like that anymore. <laughs> so. Right. Well, I feel like just speaking to you and like listening to your story on YouTube and stuff, like I can tell like this really oh, still, totally like, still bothers it, you. I mean, it's weird because I feel like I wear um a decent face for for what it is because I feel like I caused a lot of it. So it's hard for me to to like not necessarily to talk about it a lot, but it's hard for me to play the like like hey, this still bothers me, and I want somebody to care because. On the surface, it looks like, hey, these are totally, totally avoidable situations. Like, we, how do you feel for a person like that? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, do you want to still? Do you want to have a relationship with your child? And if so, what would that um, relationship look like hmm. for you? I don't know if I I want to. I think I think so. I think I do, but not at this point. I want him to like grow up and all that stuff and. I feel like when he's older and he's at a point where he can like maturely receive the backstory of it all, then I think that's what I would want one. Because right now, I think it would be very confusing. You know, I don't know a child that would be able to retain mm-hmm. such information. Yeah. But not right now, yeah, because he's a... For sure. But do you, how, would you, how would you feel if he doesn't want to have a relationship with you? I want to say... That a part of me has accepted that because I, it, a part of me has detached some ways from ever knowing him um, because I feel like mm-hmm. it's easier for me to accept it than for me to want one and be rejected, if that makes sense. Do you think um, you would ever have more kids? If, if God willing, maybe, maybe. Other times I feel like I'd be feeling like it's just not meant to be. Because I know recently I was trying to go get my brush over because I have one that goes in your arm. And they were telling me how I was like six months late Mm -hmm. on it. And I had no idea because this one lasts for like three years or something like that. And I had been sleeping with my boyfriend, my current boyfriend now. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't get pregnant for like six months. So I was like, maybe that's a sign that I'm like, (laughs) it's so stupid. I'm like, not going to be pregnant ever again. Because God, you know, even they say statistically, like, after you, after, when you have a child young, like, I think they say in, like, three to five years, you're, like, subject to have another one. And I actually did get pregnant again after that. And I avoided it, like, expeditiously because I could not relive that. (laughs) That was, like, I was just, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think God is going to bless me with another child. I don't even know what to do with him. Like, I feel like... (laughs) Who do you talk to about this, though? Like, though, like do you, like, I mean, because I'm pretty sure you, you don't talk to your sister about it or your mom about it, especially your mom, because she's, like, it seems like she really wants to right. have that relationship with her right. grandson. She does. Uh, 
So like, did you go to therapy no, or I like? Go to therapy about it. I have. Um, I think I've talked, like I've shared the story with a couple people, and one, like it's therapy me for me just mm-hmm. to share it because it like forces me to talk about it. And so there's some. Sometimes I have some pretty um, therapeutic feels whenever I'm just talking about it. So I haven't really like talked to any kind of professional about it because I don't know what what I need to hear if that makes sense. Like, what do I need mm-hmm. to, it, it, is it, is it doing something to me? I have no idea. <laughs> right. But, but you wouldn't know unless you try to. Right. This is something that I need to consider for sure. If you feel like, but that's yeah. a decision that you would have to make. But I know when, when I go to, go to therapy, I don't go as often because I don't <laughs> want to put hands on people no more. <laughs> But um, when I when I was going to therapy, because I still go, but not as often, I was certain things that was so traumatic affected a lot of areas of my life that right. I didn't know was connected. This is true. This is true. So I'm pretty sure with this uh, particular um, experience that you had, if, if, or it had, or or it probably still is affecting certain areas so of your life. I really, I, I you're probably right about that. Especially with boundaries, like with your mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Nah, nah. I mean, no shade to your mom just because she listens to this. (laughs) (laughs) So, or I learned learning how to communicate better because I can see why your sister. You have a twin. Like that's not Mm -hmm. like your sister. That's your twin. (laughs) So I can see how she probably was fun the way that she was during your experience as well too. Which it took us forever to even talk about. She always told me like. No one ever asked how I felt about it. You know, she did say that. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's her twin. That's crazy. Right. Um, if there is anything that you'd like to say to your child now or when they get older, um, what would it be? Probably, it would probably, I'd probably say, you know, um, I'd say, it's weird that I would say this, but I think I'd be like, I just say like, mommy made a lot of mistakes and I hope you're childhood wasn't hard because of it you know I I want to say that's what I would start mm-hmm. off by saying but I probably might let him do most of the talking because I feel guilty for doing a lot of talking I think at that time <laughs> right right mm-hmm. do you have any regrets some days most days I feel like no because I don't know what my life would be you know well, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think so. But some days I, I am, I do feel like I do have regret for what it meant for those around me, if that makes sense. And this question just came off the top of my dome, but this is, this is the last question. Because I'm just thinking about as when we was young girls and like, you know, sex was such a big intricate part when it comes to hanging out with your friends. Because Either you were having sex or you weren't wasn't having sex. Did you feel comfortable enough like with going to somebody and like sharing these conversations with them that you was having your friends? Like what do you think that you could have done um, differently when you was having those moments? Because I think about that all the time too. And, and even like earlier when you was like, where was the disconnect where you chose to get pregnant and I chose to wait? Cause or vice versa, because a yes. lot of people go through this as young kids. Absolutely. Especially being in the Absolutely. Hood. I want to say there should, there could have been a more of an open door in regards to like 
talking to your parents about these kind of things because no matter how you put it, I feel like parents are parents, but it's just even in the most open relationships, you're not going to tell them everything. But if there was more of an open dialogue, like my mom was gone all the time, you know, and when she was home, like she was sleeping and stuff like that, because, you know, she worked long hours like a lot of our parents. And um, I feel like she tried, but there, there still wasn't an openness that I could just go and talk to her or anyone for that matter about what was going on in my mm-hmm. life. Cause I just, I didn't think it was a problem. <laughs> you feel like, well, everything right. does it. So, I mean, ain't nothing we'll talk about. I know all about that stuff, and, but you still like, yeah, there definitely wasn't a person that she, I was openly talking to about that. I can't, not one. <laughs> And I can assume your dad all. wasn't really much around, <laughs> all. right? No, and I, I yeah. always wonder what a dad's presence would have done, how much it would have impacted mm. us. So there's there lies that like anger towards him and amongst the African American African American community where this absentee fathers are such a thing. It's problematic. It really is, mm-hmm. especially with within young girls' lives, you know, and men too, of course, but. Mm-hmm. We don't acknowledge how how much of an impact it can have for girls either, as much as we do the men. You think your life could have possibly been different if your father was around? For sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I appreciate you for sharing your story. I, you know, I was watching something mad long ago and um it was with this woman she was on an Oprah Winfrey show and she was saying how she gave her child up for adoption when she was 14 and now she was like pushing 40 something at the time and I always wonder like how that feeling must how it must feel to like right. give your child up because you went through a vaginal birth so like for you to carry a child for nine months and then you give it for, for adoption that yeah, had to be and lot. I always wonder would it have been worse if I was older and knew how, knew how to maturely handle those feelings would it with the attachment would have been mm-hmm. worse I almost felt like it's like I said it, it took me a long time to even cry about it that's how disconnected I was I like pushed to the back of my mind mm-hmm. so far that I didn't I didn't feel for a long time like until I got I was actually an adult and then I started to actually realize the magnitude of what took place it just felt like another day to me. Right. That was that's was how crazy it was. How how, you know, a person can really compartmentalize trauma to that magnitude. Mm-hmm. One more question. Do you feel guilty when you do share your story and when you um when you tell people your story and then you meet women or you see women um, that can't have babies? Hmm. I'm not, I'm not or is sure something you never really thought about? I know of, like, I have a friend that I was telling this story to, and then she, like, was telling me why she's, like, pro-life, you know, as far as, um, as far as not, you know, aborting your babies and things like that after telling her my stories, because she was saying that there are people that can't have babies. So in that regard, I deeply, I deeply feel for that, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like I advocate for mm-hmm. adoption for those that for those maybe that could be a blessing for those that can't but I could still only imagine not being able to have your own you know I I don't know like right. I, I do there is a level of guilt there too especially the way that I mm-hmm. seemingly speak about it so effortlessly you know what I'm saying 
so I can see how how yeah there is a level of guilt there sometimes I feel like especially if I know my audience if that if that's what I'm speaking to I'd be real selective <laughs> I'd be rock star <laughs> I know right <laughs> Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being a part and sharing your story. Um, if anyone have any comments, questions, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com. And thank you. And until next time, everyone. All right, Later. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.